Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Can I also ask that you continue to pray for Phil? You'll remember that La and his mum, you'll remember that last week he talked a bit about his mum. Well, she had another seizure yesterday. Um, and uh, was due to didn't actually end up having to go into hospital, but has a has an appointment in Guy's this week, and um, also has an appointment at a hospice, which is really looking at end of life care. Um, but I visited, I, you know, I know the family really well, and I, I visited them on uh, Tuesday of this week, and yeah, she's she's, she's frail, and she's um, you know, uh, but she's in faith, which is good. Um, so just just pray for Phil particularly. He, the, a lot of this, I suppose, comes to him. He spends a lot of time there with his mum and his dad. Um, and uh, yeah, it'd be good for us to be praying for him. So um, it's the beginning of a new year. And, and last week, Phil, obviously he did that talk and he had, he had the stool. I love the idea of the stool, but I didn't manage to get one today. Uh, sitting down and just doing some musings about stuff. Um, and, uh, and so because it's the beginning of the year, last week and this week are much more uh, general chats. It's not specifically. Next week we go back into our, the series that we're doing in, in the book of James. But this week I wanted to just really, I suppose, speak a little bit about us as a church. What are we doing? Where are we going? Uh, practically we will talk a bit about that on the 26th of January when we have our church lunch and a bit of a a family meeting where we'll just share some stuff Um, but I wanted to kind of share a little bit I suppose of my heart and a little bit of what what roots us as a local church so um, in the world in which we live today it is so important that you're anchored that you're rooted so one of the reasons why I'm very comfortable, you know, I'm sad Andy and Stella are going, but one of the things that makes me comfortable is they're moving from one place where they have been rooted and they're going to another place where they are going to be rooted. And it is so important to be rooted um, because there is so much going on in the world, you can drift within minutes, you don't even realise how quick you can move from, oh, I never used to think that. And drift is, is, is a major thing. So today I want to talk about what roots us and I want to talk a, few, a little bit about some of our priorities for this next year. Um, uh, but I want to start with this verse in Proverbs 16, 9, which, which Pauline kind of reminded me of yesterday. In his heart, a man or a woman or a person plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. And in short, what that really means is you can plan stuff. And, and I know some of you do plan stuff. You write things down, you know, the beginning of a new year. Maybe you've got some new year goals and you, yeah, or, or new year resolutions and you've written them down. And, and maybe because it's only on the 12th of January, you're still like there, focusing on them, reading them. I know that some of us are like that. We plan stuff. Yeah? And there's nothing wrong with planning stuff, but you must understand God orders your steps. And so what that sometimes means is your plans don't end up coming about because God has other plans. 
And if you're open to him, you'll find that you get directed sometimes in ways that you don't imagine or that you never thought about. And, and when that happens, understanding that truth that the Lord determines your steps is important so that you don't worry too much when things change. Because it's very easy to worry because things aren't what you thought they were going to be. Oh, I thought I'd be doing that. I, that was going to happen. It didn't happen. I'd planned it. I was going in this direction. Then bang, something came in and it didn't happen. Yeah? The danger is that we can get thrown by those things and then, and then we can fight back to get to the plan that we wanted to get to when really God's telling you something else. Yeah? And so it's so important that we, are, um, we recognize I can plan in my heart, I can plan. Sometimes on my iPad, I can plan. But God determines. God determines where you go, how you get there. Sometimes your plans change. And the way to try and connect those two things, because that's a real thing for us, the way to try and connect those two things is to begin to pray very specifically about God, show me your will. What's your will for me? Because I can have my will for me, but what's God's will for you? And, uh, you know, when I look back on my life and, uh, you know, my 52 years of living, coming up to 53 years of living, um, I, so many things I would not have planned. Yeah? It's not like I don't look back and go, yeah, I knew, I knew. I knew where it was going. I did not know where it was going. Yeah? And I've had to follow God in terms of, and hold on to him in order that I don't find myself trying to fight against his will in order to do my will. So that's kind of, I suppose, that foundational thought that God plans and determines our steps. So I just want to pray and then, and then we'll, we'll, we'll crack on. Father, I thank you that you have been with us and I pray that you would uh, continue to lead and guide us in these moments. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, at the end, uh, please God, we'll have enough time to pray together, just to get up and really call on God and to, to maybe uh, sing a song before we finish. That's where I'm hoping to go. Um, John mentioned about our church lunch. I, I mentioned that. Um, God's been speaking to us uh, as a church. Uh, to me, I suppose, as the pastor, uh, he's been speaking to me over numbers of months. And so I do want to share a little bit about some of our priorities for 2020. There's no magic in them, but I just want to share that. But before I do that, I want to remind you of, of what I think we're trying to do as a church. I want to ask you to forgive me if, if some of this seems repetitive to you. Um, but think of it as a, as, as a repeat. You know, there'll be things that you watch on telly more than once. Just put your hands up if you've ever watched something more than once. Okay, most of us. That means if I'm saying things that you've heard before, don't switch off because you choose to watch things more than once. Yeah? You choose to. Yeah? It might be Friends and, and it might be High School Musical. I don't know. But you choose to watch things. Lord of the Rings. Uh, I mean, I could watch Lord of the Rings and some, some of the phrases, I can do them. I can say them. Or uh, Daisy and I used to, uh, when Daisy was a lot younger, and she'll be embarrassed when she's not here, um, I, I used to walk her to school a lot when I, when I began to work for the church I was able to walk her to school because it was on the way to work and we used to sing songs Beyonce and we used to do stuff yeah. and we knew all the words 
Yeah, Daisy and I, we would sing the same songs. Yeah, we didn't find new ones. We sang the same ones. And uh, so we repeat stuff. So some of what I'm going to say today is a repeat. Uh, but let's remember, this isn't a show. This isn't purely about entertainment. Uh, oh, you know, I've heard all of that. Um, you, we do it. We all do it. We all like to watch things again and again. Our mission as a church is to serve the community through building the church to the glory of Christ. That's, that's why we're here. That's in the end, when it came to it a number of years ago, I, I, I was trying to summarise with others, what are we actually about? We're, we're about wanting to serve the community, but we do that through building the church, and we build a church that glorifies Jesus. That, that's what we're trying to do. The best way we serve the community, the best impact you can have, the best way of transforming the people around us and the community around us is to build a church that glorifies Jesus. It's the best way. You might think, oh, I've got a really great idea. You know, we could do this, we could do that. We could open this kind of thing. We could open a nursery. We could open an old people's. We could do all sorts of things. But if you want to do the best thing, that the Christian can do to uh, help the community that it's a part of is to build the church. It's the best thing. Now, it's not the best thing because um, it always works. Yeah, It's not the best thing because it always works. It's the best thing because it's the thing that God determined as the way to reach community, as the way to touch people. It was, that's what he determined. Build the church. Plant churches. So for us, building the church is the best way to serve the community. But you don't just build the church, because you can build a church and, you know, it not really be a church. We want to build a church that glorifies Jesus. Yeah? We want to build a church where Jesus is always at the centre. We want to build a church where we regularly remind ourselves of why we take communion. We want to build a church that remembers who he is and what he's done. We want to build a church where we are regularly reminded of the power of the gospel, not just that it saved me, but that it is continually saving me. We want to build a church where, where the, the, the work of the gospel is such that it, it impacts our relationships with one another, that it looks different here. Yeah? I, I go to a badminton club in, uh, in Brixton, and I've been doing that for a number of years. I mean, I've been at Beacon longer, but I've been doing that for a number of years. And it's great. I've got to know some people in there. Some of them are having children, all that kind of stuff. It is not the same as the church. Yeah? Badminton is not the same. That community is not the same. Yeah? This community is different because Jesus dwells here. And, and it changes everything. Over there, I just go whenever I'm free, and I pay a fiver, and I play some games. That's not what this is. Yeah? This is, this is God's family. This is something much bigger. This is something that in his mind is often more sacred than it is in our minds. The church, the community of believers. So, so we're kind of here to do that. That's our best way. And I feel like what, what God has really impressed on me to do as the pastor of Beacon is to establish in Brixton this church which will be full of grace, it will be centred around Christ, it will be led by the Holy Spirit, and it will be God-honouring. 
And, and that's what I feel like God's put me here to do, to establish something that's like that. It's going to be grace-filled. And grace-filled is about acceptance. It's the way we pastor. We don't pastor you. Um, I don't pastor people through law. I don't pastor people through wagging the finger and discipline. It's, it's grace. It's the fact that fundamentally you're already accepted by God. Yeah? You're saved by grace. And that you must understand that. And that the people out there must understand that. God, the God that we love, is not a God of law. He's not a God who's distant. He's not a God who's angry. He's primarily a God of love, grace and kindness. That's what he's like. That's what the gospel's about. The gospel is not primarily about sending people to hell. It's about bringing people to heaven. Yeah, so we must understand that. That we are to be grace-filled. And that grace and kindness are not simply what God is like and how he relates to us, but it's how we should be relating to one another. Yeah? You should be extending grace to one another because you have had grace extended to you. You should be showing kindness to one another because you have had kindness shown to you. And that's, that's what this is about. And when a community does that, that community begins to look different to other communities because other communities don't have that. And they are fundamental values for us, grace and kindness. And they should shape not only my relationship with God, they should shape my relationships with you. Yeah? It's always sad when you see in churches, um, you know, they'll preach about grace and kindness and love and then within the church and in the relationships, people don't talk. Oh, I've, never, I've not spoken to her for 10 years. She sits next to you in the church. You've not spoken to her for 10 years. That's not what church is meant to be. Church is about the relationships that are shaped by these realities. Secondly, we should be Christ-centred. So the thing that gathers us, and this really, in my mind, is about our diversity. That there is some diversity here. We're different. We're from different backgrounds. We're different ages and all that kind of stuff. But our diversity um, should be centred around the fact that Jesus is here. It's not centred around us trying to find things in common. Because sometimes you might find it hard to find things in common with people. Yeah, And because we're not in a church where everyone's the same... You can almost feel, oh, you know, I, don't even, I can't really connect. You know, there aren't people that I really know. You know, blah, blah, blah. All of that kind of stuff. That is not what it's actually about. It's actually about the fact that Christ has drawn people together. That's what um, uh, Maureen read from Ephesians 2. And she, she talked about that the, those who were far away have been brought near by the blood. Yeah, they're brought near into relationship. It's actually talking about the Jews and the Gentiles, the foreigners and the aliens. People who are on the outside have been brought into the inside because of the blood. So the thing that joins us together is the fact that we are in Christ. Yeah? And do you know what that passage goes on to say if you read uh, a few verses later? It says, when he brought people together, he broke down the wall of hostility that existed between them, the natural hostilities that exist between different people groups. And what does he do? He brings peace. So there is peace in relationships with people where naturally there would not be peace, where there might be misunderstanding. Yeah? We look around our world... We look at some of the issues that we are playing out in our world right now, in the Middle East, in some of the Western countries around our world. There is not peace. There is not this peace. But Jesus brings peace. 
So within his community, where there is difference, where there is ethnic difference, where there is age and class difference, economic difference, he can bring peace. And, it, and it's not a peace whereby essentially we just, we just ignore all our differences. That's, that's not peace. Yeah? It's where he reconciles us. Yeah? Just as you have been reconciled to God because of the cross, you have been reconciled to your neighbour who also is a believer because of the cross. So our focus is not on the things that make us different, it's on the one thing that keeps us connected, and that is Jesus. So we want our diversity, or whatever term you want to use, to be connected to the fact that Christ is at the centre, and that's the one that we come to. So your brothers and sisters, however different, there's this focus. In John 17, when Jesus prays, he prays that the unity of the church will be an indication to the world that he has come. Yeah. I pray that the world will know that I've come because of their unity. And so our unity is based around this relationship, which is based on grace and kindness, and based around the centrality of Jesus in the middle. Thirdly, we want to be God-honouring as a church. And, and this, again, is important to us. And this really relates to how we engage and relate to the world and society and culture around us. We're to be in the world, the Bible says, but not of the world. Yeah? For us, the Bible rem- remains the supreme means by which we understand God. Yeah? Primarily, it is through the scripture. God has revealed himself to us. Actually, he then, through the Holy Spirit, causes us to experience him for ourselves. And we primarily understand God that way. We don't understand the world through the way the world understands the world. Because if you go there, the danger is the world has moved away from God. Yeah? We live in a, a generation, we live in a nation that once upon a time called itself a Christian nation. You would not call it a Christian nation now. Not necessarily because there is more badness that goes on, but because fundamentally we've shifted away from thinking God is important and God is number one to thinking we're important, we're number one. God is not the value that he used to be in our world. But for us as Christians, for us as the church, honouring God is really important. And honouring God is about understanding what he says and regardless of what is going on around us, we are going to follow his way. Yeah? One example for that, for us, would be in marriage. Yeah? God, deter- God says marriage. It's not that we say marriage. God determines how marriage should, we- should be. Not our culture. So we go with what God says. Regardless of what's going on around us. We have to respect, and there's an honour in here, but we're going, no, 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 I'm, as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. We're going to go God's way. The other thing about going God's way is God gives you grace to go his way. And because the culture changes, you can change with the culture and start doing, oh, what does the world think? Oh, it thinks that relationships should operate like this. So, okay, we go that way. But then in 10 years' time, it thinks something else. God's way never changes. Yeah? You root yourself here, you're rooted. So my encouragement is, is wherever you can, Seek to honour God in your life, with your family, with your body. Honour God. Make that your number one thing. I want to honour you, Jesus. 
I want you to be number one because you can do all sorts of other things, but if you're not honouring God, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, the Bible says that obedience is better than sacrifice. So essentially, you, you could sacrifice, you could maybe pray and fast for 100 days a year, but if you're not living in obedience to God, you may as well not do anything. Obedience is better than sacrifice. So honouring God, however unpopular it seems, you need to be wise, we need to be wise, but honouring God is such an important thing for us. Yeah, that we're, we're, we're not trying to hold on to tradition, we're trying to walk in obedience. Yeah, we're trying to walk in obedience to him. And then the final bit about that would be that, as, as I've said, we're a church in Brixton. Yeah, we're a church in Brixton. And if you know anything of our story, I, I, when I took on Beacon, I wasn't big and bold and said, yeah, we're going to go into Brixton. I was like, okay, I know Brixton's down the road, yeah, because we were meeting in Tulse Hill when I first came to Beacon, and I thought, I know Brixton's down the road, but that's fine. Brixton's down the road. Maybe one day we'll have a small group in Brixton. That'd be great. We're, we're, we're in church in Tulse Hill. Then I was challenged as we were thinking about where to meet, and somebody said, had you ever thought about moving down to Brixton? And at that time, we were talking about the Ritzy. And I remember, I didn't know, I knew Brixton, but I didn't know it well. I remember driving down to Brixton, I remember seeing the Ritzy, and I remember thinking, oh, okay. Um, I didn't realise until this moment that I quite like church being hidden in a school up in Tolls Hill. I quite like that, yeah? Because I came down to the Ritzy and I thought, this seemed a little bit public and a little bit sort of culturally on the edge for me. I remember thinking that, and I was surprised at that thought, but it was a real thought. And what I often do with those real thoughts that, are, that are come out of fear is I go, oh, okay, that means we have to do church there. The very, the very fact that I don't want to do church there is the very reason why we have to do church there, because I know that this is coming out of fear. So we move the church into Brixton, and it was interesting because I think that going to the Ritzy was fun in some ways. It was really challenging in other ways. Um, but what it did is it moved us to a place. And when we were in that place called Brixton, I realised, ah, this is where we're meant to be. We're meant to be in Brixton. This is, this is to be our field of operation. There might be other things that happen, but this is going to be where we are. And so that, is, that has been the case ever since, that we've, we've sought to build church in Brixton. And, and uh, you know, we're still just about in Brixton, aren't we? But the church in Brixton, that is an important part of what we've called to be and called to place, uh, a pl- the place that we're called to be. And I don't want you to underestimate how God views the church. Uh, I said before, God, God loves the church. You might not, but he does. God died for the church. You might not do that, but he did. When God visited the Apostle Paul on Damascus Road, he says to him, why are you persecuting me? Who was he actually persecuting? He was persecuting Christians. He was persecuting believers. Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? At the end of Ephesians, it says that God placed everything under the feet of Jesus. What for? For the church. His manifold wisdom, it tells us in Ephesians chapter 3, was to be displayed through what? Through the church. You might not love the church, but he loves the church. So if you be Christian, 
you need to kind of settle in your hearts and in your, in, in, in your heads. God loves the church. So I somehow need to find a way of loving the church. A lot of the Apostle Paul's letters, the epistles that he writes, he says to people, um, I thank my God every time I remember you because of your love for all the saints. It's not because of your love for the world, it's your love for all the saints. We need to get, we need to get a grip on the fact that God loves the church. He chooses the church as his primary way of showing himself to the world. He may well give you good ideas about stuff. Oh, I've got this great idea. We can do this and we can help this group of people. But ultimately, God's way is through the church. And he displays his power. He displays his majesty. He displays his purpose. He displays who he is through a body of believers. That's what he does. And that's what, you know, I believe we're called to do. So we, we're there. We're this church in Brixton. This is our primary focus. There might be other things that we do, but primarily we are about building the local church in this community and that we're trusting and believing that God is going to do a transformative work around us. That's what we're doing. So then, understanding those foundations of what we're about as a church what are our focuses for 2020? What has God laid before us or laid on our hearts? And again, there's no magic here. You know, I'm not going to tell you some, we're going to go to Mars or anything like that. Um, it's really, really simple. The first focus, the first priority, I think, of 2020 that I, I pray we do a, we're able to engage with is simply the priority of prayer. Yeah? I'll be honest, I pray, I do. Yeah, most mornings, uh, I, I'm not always awake, but I, I pray. Yeah? The thing that I long for is for the church to pray, for the church to gather to pray, that there is a corporate expression of prayer as well as an individual expression of prayer. I know that many of you pray, I know you do. Yeah. But there must be a corporate expression of prayer as a community of believers. Prayer involves a number of things. Um, firstly, it involves belief. It involves belief. Jesus says to his disciples when he does that whole stuff with the fig tree, he says, um, if you say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. If you, will be if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. It involves belief. Now, many of us do pray. You know, you read passages like that and you think, if you believe you'll receive whatever you ask for in prayer, and we go, oh my goodness, God, I want to pray for a, a, a Porsche. I want to pray for a, a husband, a wife. I want to pray for a big house. Can it be a long garden? Can I have this? Oh God, what about this? Can I have this? Can I have that? Yeah, we pray those prayers, but to be honest, some of us, we don't have any belief. We don't really believe. We don't really have faith. So prayer involves belief. We must believe. Yeah. Hebrews 11 tells us uh, at the beginning, before it goes into all the heroes of faith, it says, when you come to God, you must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Believe. Now, I get it. We live in a world where unbelief is much, much easier than belief. 
Yeah, because the tide has gone the other way, which is why you anchor yourself. You anchor yourself in the word, which means that you don't drift. You don't drift, or at least you don't drift too far because something pulls you. Oh, yeah, I believe. Yeah? And believing is about, it's faith. You know? Faith is about, you're believing things that you can't see, but you're believing them. Secondly, prayer involves asking. And it, it says, um, you know, very truly, truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. And then later it says, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now we must understand, what does it mean to ask in the name of Jesus? It has something to do with understanding the will of God, understanding the character of God. It's not purely about, I'll just throw out random thoughts. Yeah, random thoughts is not asking Jesus. It's got to be a little bit more definite than that. But prayer involves belief. Prayer involves asking. Prayer involves remaining. John 15 says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. We begin to see, oh, okay. So he says ask, but there are all these little things about it. You've got to remain in him. You've got to remain. The beginning a bit of that chapter talks about remaining in the vine. Yeah, that Jesus is the vine and we're the branches. You remain in him. And it's as you remain in him, you ask. And whatever you ask in his name. And then it tells us to ask in his name. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I pointed you so that you might bear fruit. Fruit that will last. So that, so remember all of that. You didn't choose me, I chose you, I appointed you. So that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. So you can't just skip to whatever you ask in my name. You've got to understand that, oh, I didn't choose him. He chose me. He appointed me to bear fruit and fruit that remains, fruit that lasts. And then finally, prayer involves the Father's love. In John 16, Jesus talks about various things. He talks about prayer and then he says, and then he says, in that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Yeah? So this is Jesus to his disciples. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. And by that day, he's talking about Pentecost, the day when the Holy Spirit comes. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name, but ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. His Father, and then he goes on, the Father himself loves you. Because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. So if you can say of yourself, I love Jesus. I believe that he came from God. Because of that, the Father loves you. And the Father will give you what you ask. You've got to understand where it comes from though. It's not just a random request. It comes from somewhere. And then we're Prayer involves approaching, approaching God. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Yeah? So understanding all those things gives you confidence to approach God. Do you approach God with confidence? Because you should. You should. If you be Christian, you should be able to approach God with confidence and ask whatever you will, uh, in his name so what we're going to do as a local church is we are we're going to try and create 
different opportunities for us to be able to pray together. There's one that already happens on a Sunday at 9 o'clock to 9.30. There's a few of us who gather, and uh, we're going to carry on with that. Once a month, we're not going to do communion. We're going to have a focus on prayer. And that's very deliberate because we want to encourage us to pray together. And uh, then there are a couple of opportunities that we're going to try and create through, you know, uh, monthly, through the week. Um, We have a... um, uh, and 8.30 once a month, it's, it's moved to 8.30, it used to be 6.30 in the morning, and I, I wasn't any, expecting any of you to come to that, but it's 8.30 in the morning now, once a month, we meet to pray for food bank and cap at St Paul's uh, every month. Um, some of you can get up for 8.30, yeah? 6.30, I get it, 8.30, some of you can do it, yeah? So we'll let you know about that, just to give you a wonderful opportunity if you want to, to come to pray. For an hour. And there'll be other opportunities. We're going to produce a prayer diary and we're, we're encouraging people to pray. Secondly, second priority, uh, let's move quite quickly, is that of giving. So there's a priority of prayer this year. There's a priority of giving. Giving is good for you. You just need to know that. Just, just off, the, off, off the bat, it's good for you. Yeah? Giving involves excelling in grace. Yeah? Often people talk about, oh, we want to do things excellently and all that kind of stuff. When the Bible talks about excellence directly in that way, I don't know if it's the only place, but one of the only places it relates it is to the grace of giving. Excel in that. Be excellent at giving. Be excellent. Excel in the grace of giving. And this is what the uh, uh, um, Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth. You excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in earnestness, in love. See that you also excel in the grace of giving. Yeah. So I want to encourage you to excel in giving. Another thing that giving involves is sowing, sowing generously. It's a law of the land. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. God is able to bless you abundantly. And that would be my testimony. My testimony would be, as we have sown, Pauline and I, over the years, as we have sown in terms of giving, as we have sown in other ways, we have seen blessing. Yeah? That has come in many, many different ways. That's why I say, quite openly, giving is good for you. Yeah? And it's not about, oh, you know, have I got... Giving is good for you. Because that idea of sowing generously... Um, allows God to be able to fill you, yeah? You, you gain more by giving more, yeah? Simple principle, but it's true. You gain more by giving more. And the third thing that giving involves is it involves giving everything. Giving everything. There's a moment in, in, the, in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus sits down and he begins to watch the people as they give. And he watches all the rich people give, the wealthy people. And he says, look, they give out of their wealth. And then he watches that poor widow who gives, puts in two coins. So she doesn't give anywhere near as much. In fact, what she gives might not even be enough to, I don't know, do, do very much. But he says, she gave everything. They give out of something. She gave everything. Now, please don't miss here that. I'm not saying that suddenly, oh my goodness, is that saying that we're to sell our house and we're to realise all our stocks and shares and give everything like that? I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that. I do think, though, that you have to have a mentality where you recognise what you have is not yours. It's not yours. 
You steward stuff for someone else. Yeah, it's not your stuff. It's not like this is about me. You look after me and my family and my children and do, fulfill all my plans. That's not what this is about. This is his. This is his. So you steward stuff, and you have to have an attitude of being able to give. And so I think that's a priority for us. And it's good it's a priority because it's good for people to give. It's good for people to pray. It's good for people to give. Yeah? It blesses you more than it blesses the person you give to or the church. And, and so I would encourage you to do that. And obviously we have regular giving. If you're not giving regularly, I'd encourage you to do that. If you haven't reviewed your giving for a while, I'd encourage you to do that. But we also have particular gift dates. Yeah, and they come up February, March, that kind of time. I don't know exactly when they're going to be. And they come up to support the work that we're doing here as a local church, but they also support some of the other things that we're involved in. So you'll know in the past, we've given to Orchards, we've given to Power the Fight, we've given to other things that we want to bless, as well as giving into our local community. But giving is important. Very quickly, I'm going to skip that one. I'm going to skip that one, and I'm going to go to this one. So the final one I want to talk about here and now is the priority of mission. Yeah, so I've talked about the priority of prayer, the priority of giving, and if you like, those two things are foundational. They're not necessarily seen. People outside don't necessarily know them. We know them. We know whether we're praying. We know whether we're giving. They're foundational stuff. But the priority of mission is not just foundational. Yeah? Mission means that this is not just about us. Yeah? I don't know whether you like small church, whether you like big church, whatever it is you think, but it is not just about you. It is not just about us. Yeah? There is way more. Way more. Mission involves a number of things. Mission involves going. Go and make disciples of all nations. Yeah? Important word there. Go, yes. Disciples. Go make disciples of all nations. Baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything. And then what's the promise? I am with you always to the very end of the age. Mission involves going. Mission involves praying. Matthew 9.37 says, Jesus says to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest. One of the ways that we might grow the church would be to pray that God would send more workers into his harvest field. That's one of the ways. It's not just, oh, can we be really friendly? It's pray, ask. Mission involves coming. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and all nations will stream to it. So you've got this picture Matthew 28 says, go into the nations. Isaiah says, the nations will come to you. Yeah? There's this going and there is this coming. Yeah? Mission involves both of those. It involves going and it involves coming. Yeah? Many of the people who get to Beacon don't come because somebody has gone out to them. They come. Now actually, I don't know if it's because there's a mountain and Lord, sometimes it's a website, isn't it? Mission also involves inviting. This is one of my favourite verses in the New Testament. Um, when Andrew um, meets Jesus in, in, in the book of John, John chapter 1, 
It says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said about uh, said and who followed Jesus. Andrew was actually initially a disciple of John the Baptist. He hears what John the Baptist says about Jesus and he leaves John the Baptist and he follows Jesus. And then it says, the first thing Andrew did, the first Uh, yeah, we're on. Okay, cool, cool. And I was just getting a little bit excited, but yeah, it's fine. Um, it doesn't happen often, but it happens occasionally. So um, I'm talking about inviting. The first thing Andrew does was he, he he goes, takes his brother. That is something we need to do. Yeah, what you've got to understand about the church is it's not about, oh, is my church really slick? Do you know what I mean? Are there loads of people? Is it really slick? You're not introducing people to a slick community. You're introducing people to Jesus. And if you say of yourself, I, I have found or I have grown in Jesus in this place, that should be enough for you to bring a friend. If you have found Jesus or you have grown in your faith in this place, that should be enough for you to bring a friend. Because most of your friends, it's not like they're there over there dilly-dallying thinking, oh, should I go to Jesus? The beginning of that song we sang, How Great a Chasm, where, where it talks about Jesus breaking through the shadows of my mind, you're talking about someone who might be in deep, deep depression, hopeless. What's going on with my life? Where's it going? They've got nothing. You have Jesus. You have Jesus. So if you know Jesus then you should be doing what Andrew did and bringing your friends to Jesus. And then, and that's just inviting. It's not like you need to explain the gospel. Oh, you know, can I just take you to John chapter one? No, you don't need to do that. You just need to say, we've found him. The thing we've all been looking for, found it. We've found it. And it also involves telling. Jesus said to Mary, after he had risen from the dead, He says to Mary, go to my brothers and tell them. Now, it's interesting what Mary wanted to do. Jesus says to her, don't hold on to me. Do not hold on to me. Because there might be something in you that you come to Jesus, you come to faith, and you then want to hold on to Jesus because it's just been so wonderful. You found it. It's just wonderful. I love Jesus, all that he's done, everything. Yeah. He, says, he says to Mary, don't hold on to me. Go and tell them. Go and tell them. And maybe for some of us, that's a gentle encouragement. Don't, don't hold on to him. Go and tell them. Go and tell them. And she told them about Jesus. In a moment, we're going to sing a song. So can I ask the, the, the band just to come out and take their places? Uh, But for the rest of us, I want us just to stand because we're going to pray. My love. So let's stand. Let's just close our eyes and just for a moment, just give us a moment to reflect on all that we've heard today. Reflect on the priority of prayer. The priority of giving, the priority of mission, 
be that gentle challenge hit your heart where you think, oh yeah, I, I, I need to reorder some things in order that these can become more priorities for me. Just reflect for a moment on that. Reflect for a moment on what I've said about what are we trying to do as a church? We're trying to establish something that, that brings hope to people. I've said that God's priority is the church. Yeah. That's why Jesus identifies with the church so much. That's, that's his priority. He is more manifest through the local church than through any other single fact in life. Any other single thing in life. He is manifestly present in the church. And he promises that. So I just want for a moment you just to begin in your own way, but I want you to do it audibly, just to begin to pray. I don't know what it is for you that you need to pray for. Maybe you need to pray that you would have the courage to invite like Andrew did. Or at least to shift your focus and recognize that, oh, if I love Jesus, if Jesus has impacted me, that's enough. I don't need any more to be able to invite my friends to church. I don't need more than that. I just need to know that Jesus is real. Maybe for others, it's, it's the giving. That, yeah, how do I get to that point where in my mind I can give everything? It's all his. It's not like, oh, there's a part of it that's his and some of the rest of it's mine. It's all his. It's all his. So let's just begin to pray. Maybe it's helpful to begin by just thanking God for what he's given you. Just begin to thank him. And there may be some specific things that will come to mind. Let's just begin to pray. And then in a moment, we're just going to sing to finish. So can we do that? Lift our voices. Pray. Thank God. Thank God for the hope of the gospel that's impacted your life. Thank you for his generosity to you. His blessing upon you. Thank him that you don't need to go to dark places. Now, I know occasionally we do, but there's always a way out for us. And it's called Jesus. He's the hope of the world. He's the light of the world. You have free access to him because of the blood. Let's just begin to pray. Let's lift our voices a bit. Let's begin to pray.
You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team or upcoming events, please visit our website which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.